Father in heaven, thank you for this time that we can come and study your word. Thank you for this blessed Sabbath morning. Lord, any time that we have an opportunity to open your word, I consider it a wonderful privilege because, Lord, we don't know when that freedom is going to be taken away from us. But, Lord, whilst we have this freedom, help us to treasure it. Help us to earnestly seek for that blessing, the blessing of your Spirit, to speak to each and every one of us. May you convict us, O Lord. May you convert us. Help us to rise higher as we study your word this day. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So two weeks ago, I studied Nehemiah chapter 1 and chapter 2 with all of you. And it was where we ended with Nehemiah um, encouraging the people that were in Jerusalem to rise up and build the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah had had clear indication from God as he in chapter 1 prayed and confessed his sins. God began to guide. God began to work on his behalf and he saw the clear providence of God. And even though he arrived in Jerusalem and, and the work had been halted and the people were discouraged, and even though he went around and surveyed the, the, the city and the, the, the state of the city and the walls and everything, he was not discouraged because he saw how God had been answering his prayers, how the king had given him unlimited resources, how he gave the guards to him to guide his safe passage, and how God had allowed, well, it was, yes, King Artaxerxes had allowed Nehemiah, but of course it was by the hand of God to go back and personally build the walls of Jerusalem. And so Nehemiah came back with great faith. He came back with great assurance that God was with him. And so we pick it up now in Nehemiah chapter 3, starting in verse 1. The Bible says this, Then Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brethren, the priests, and they builded the sheep gate. They sanctified it and set up the doors of it, even unto the tower of Mia. They sanctified it unto the tower of Hananiel. And next unto him builded the men of Jericho. And next to them builded Zachar the son of Imri. But the fish gate did the sons of Hassanah build, who also laid the beams thereof, and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. Then next unto them repaired Merimoth, the son of Urijah, the son of Koz, and next unto them repaired Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezabel, and next unto them repaired Zadok, the son of Bana. You know, to every one there was a work assigned. When you read through this whole chapter, chapter 3, and we're not going to do it because it really is, you know, we've read the first four verses there, and it is just listing of names of people and what they did and what their responsibilities are. But when you read through this chapter, you will realize one thing. Everyone had something to do. Everyone had a, a, a task assigned to them. Everyone knew their role, and everyone, when they were appointed to do it, they did it. They rose up and they worked together and builded the house of the Lord and the walls and the city. Everyone was inspired by the faith of Nehemiah and they were ready to fulfill the work that God had assigned to each and every one of them. Friends, even from the outset, we here, onset here, we, we, we see and we learn a very important lesson. And I want us to look at this quote here, Christian service 
page 10, paragraph 4, we're told this, To everyone, work has been allotted, and no one can be a substitute for another. Everybody has a responsibility, we're told here. No one can, can come in and say, okay, you don't do it, I'll take on the extra burden. No, everyone has a responsibility. Each one has a mission of wonderful importance, which he cannot neglect or ignore, as the fulfillment of it involves the weal of some soul and the neglect of it, the woe of one for whom Christ died. Friends, what I want you to realize here this morning is that everyone has a place in God's work. We're all connected. Just like the builders on the walls of Jerusalem there, everyone realized their, their work. And the question that I have for you here this morning, even as we're just beginning, do you realize the work that God has for you? Do you know what God has called you to? Do you know the place that you have in God's work? But let's continue, shall we? As they were building, what happened? We're going to pick it up here in chapter 4, starting in verse 1. But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? You know, when they began to build the wall of Jerusalem, then Sanballat, he was against them. And, you know, friends, that's really important lesson we got to learn. When you do God's work, don't expect that the way will just be made smooth for you just because God called you. Don't ask for a lighter burden, but ask for a stronger back. You know, you have to expect opposition. And the work of God has always had its doubters and its mockers. And don't be surprised when it happens to you. Actually, it's better for you to expect that it happens so that when it doesn't happen, you'll be pleasantly surprised. You won't be taken aback. They had hardly started when Sanballat appeared and started to mock them. And you know, friends, we got to remember this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. You know, many of us, we are taken aback when these sort of things happen because we expect God just to come in and help us and do all the work for us, not realizing that God and His workers have always had His doubters and his persecutors throughout all history. I mean, just take the case of Moses. When he, when he was called by God to go and lead the children of Israel out from Egypt, you would have thought that, oh, God said, I will be with you, right? But it took 10 plagues for, for Pharaoh for, to finally uh, give up and say, okay, let everyone go with you. 10 plagues. He didn't listen in the first or the second or the third or the fourth. It took 10 plagues and many threats he gave out to Moses said if I see you here again I'm gonna kill you so don't think that the work will be made smooth just because God calls you just because you're able to perform miracles you'll still have your doubters and your mockers and your persecutors so don't be surprised 
Don't be surprised. In fact, we got to expect it. Even 1 John chapter 3, verse 13 tells us, Do not be surprised, brethren. If the world hates you, you got to expect these things to happen. This is what happens when you separate from the world. The world will begin to hate you. But let's continue. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 6. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. You know, in spite of all the opposition and all the mocking and all the threats and whatever Sanballat threw at them, they pushed through with the work and they were build, able to build half of the wall. How? The Bible said what? They had a mind to work. They all came with the understanding that there was a work to be done. And so they put all their hearts to the work. No one was slacking. No one was lazing around. They all had a purpose and they were helping each other and not waiting to be helped or to be served. You know, the people, they had a burden for the work, friends. They weren't working for wages. They weren't working for recognition or position. They weren't working for any ulterior motive. They weren't working for anything except to build the wall and the city for the Lord. And let's continue. Verse 7. But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and hinder it. So now they hear that the work is successful and they're coming now even to what? Fight against it. They're not just throwing insults and mocking at them anymore. They are ready to come and fight literally, physically in the flesh. You know, friends, the work does not get easier. It doesn't. You don't get to this point where you experience all the trials that you could experience and go, okay, I'm not going to be surprised by anything anymore. No, it only gets worse. And unless we have a mind to work, you know, we, unless we have that right mindset to work, we'll fall under the pressure. We won't be able to handle it and we'll begin to turn around and blame God. We got to have this right mindset. Friends, unless we understand the reason why we are Christian, why we are Seventh-day Adventists, why you decide to go to church, you know, doubts will always come in. Why? Because the devil hates God's work and he's always going to throw opposition against it. And unless you understand the purpose as to why you are a Christian today, you will begin to blame God. You're going to begin to hate him. The mindset must change in how we view church, in why we go to church on Sabbath morning, in why we live this Christian life in general. We got to know why, friends. We got to, or else we are going to buckle under the pressure of what Satan throws at us. Let's continue. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 9. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. So in spite of what was happening, they had a mind to work and they lifted up their prayers to God and it made them even more 
watchful. It made them even more faithful. It didn't make them let go of God, but made them press even closer to God. I'm reminded of these texts in the Bible, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, continue in prayer and watch the same with thanksgiving. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. You know, friends, in these times that we live in, we need to be watchful. We need to be sober. We got to pray much more in lest Satan steals a march upon us. We must not be ignorant of his devices unless he gains an advantage over us. We got to watch and pray. So you can see that the lessons that, that we're learning from Nehemiah are very much to do with what we have to apply in our day and age. We got to be wall builders on the walls of Zion. We got to do the Lord's work. And when you do, there's always going to be opposition. And when that arises, we got to be even more prayerful, even more watchful, especially in these times. But then we continue. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 10. What happens? Judah, they come and say to them, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed and there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. You know, things began to happen from within. They say the strength of the burden bearers, they're, they're decayed. They, they start saying, I'm burnt out. I'm burnt out carrying all this heavy load. And you know, friends, when you begin to feel burnt out, even when you're doing the Lord's work, it's because you've made the Lord's work your idol. Do you know that? It's possible to be burnt out from doing God's work instead of spending time with the Lord of the work. We try to do it in our own strength. And so even though these, these men and women, they were accomplishing a great work for the Lord and God had promised to be with them and build with them and fight for them, they began to rely on their own strength. You know, it was so easy just to get up in the morning, go out and start building the wall. I'm doing God's work. Surely God will be with me, right? Even though I neglect to spend time with Him. And not only that, they said, what? There is much rubbish we are not able to build. They began to make excuses as to why they weren't able to build effectively. Oh, the, the, the church in this location is not conducive to to, to having a church here. The work is too hard in this area. Is anything really too hard for the Lord? You know, we began to give reasons as to why we cannot do it. Personally, I'm burnt out. Or oh, there's just so many oppositions that we can't do it here. Friends, not only that, look at what else is happening. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. And our adversaries said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst and among them, and slay them, and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, and they said unto us ten times, how many times? Ten times from all places whence ye shall return unto us. They will be upon you. There were threats from the outside. You know, verse 12, from all places when you return to us. You know, the NIV says this, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Seemed like a hopeless cause, wasn't it? They were scared for their lives. So not only fears from within, but fears from without began to catch up to them. Why? Even though they were doing the Lord's work, they forgot that God was with them. 
they repeated it even 10 times. You know, wherever you go, they're going to catch you and they're going to kill you. Wherever They said it 10 times. Talking about repetition, deepening impression. They had already believed it. And if they didn't at that point, after saying it 10 times, they definitely believed it, right? Discouragement began to settle in. They had forgotten the God of the work. They had focused on the work. They were given Bible studies. At least that's what it would be equated to in our day, right? They were going visiting people. But in the midst of it, they thought, oh, I'm opening up the Bible. I'm doing God's work. They forgot to spend time with the God of the work. But look at what Nehemiah does. Look at how he responds. Nehemiah chapter 4, 13 to 15. Therefore set I in the lower places behind the wall, and on the higher places I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to naught, that we returned, all of us to the wall, every one unto his work. I want you to notice something very interesting here that we just read in these three verses. Nehemiah did not deal with some of those issues. We're burnt out and there's too much rubbish. He did not deal with that at all. It's as if they complained to him and he just totally ignored it. But there was one thing that he did deal with, which was the threat of people coming in and killing them and hindering the work. And so what did he do? He, he put more people with spears and swords and shields to guard, more people that were full-time just to guard, while others builded. And then even those that, that builded, they had um, some weapons to defend themselves as well. You know, too often we, we give reason why we feel burnt out and the reason why we give so many excuses, why we cannot work, people ready to kill us and so much rubbish. The reason is because we've forgotten about the greatness of God. And so people began holding weapons in one hand and the other hand, they also built the work of God as well. So, you know, friends, how does that apply to us? we got to remember that we got to have a weapon to defend us. It's a sword. It's called the sword of the Spirit. It's called the shield of faith. we got to have that devotional time with God in His Word and praying much. That is our defense. And then we got to go forward and do the work. You know, you can't just go do the work without having the sword of the Spirit. you got to arm yourselves and then you can go forward and do the work. There has to be this balance. On one side, we got to protect ourselves. On the other side, we got to go and do the work of the Lord. You know, church members, I want to ask all of you, those that have been baptized, what work are you doing for the Lord today? Look, I'm not saying that you got to work your way to heaven, but your actions are the result of your devotion and prayer life with Jesus. Do you know that? I want to show you this quote taken from Christian service again. 118 paragraph 2. No sooner is one converted that there is born within him a desire to make known to others what a precious friend 
he has found in Jesus. The saving and sanctifying truth cannot be shut up in his heart. You know, friends, you are either a missionary or you're a mission field. There's nothing in between. The moment that you are converted, there is born in you, there is something that is placed in you that gives you a burden and a desire to share this good news with others. The reason why we don't desire to evangelize and share Christ with our friends is simply we are not converted. We aren't born again. We can't see even the kingdom of heaven. Do you realize that? But Nehemiah, he didn't even deal with the burnt out work. He didn't deal with the, the rubbish, too much rubbish. There was a genuine problem, people wanting to kill them. And the other two problems, they just weren't problems at all. So all Nehemiah did was station more guards. He knew what to deal with as a leader. He had the wisdom from God to know how to move the work forward and help people to see that God was still with them. But friends, if you are not working for God today, I want to tell you simply, you're not born again. Do you realize that? The minute that a person is converted, there is born within him a desire to tell others about Jesus. And if you don't have that desire, it's because Jesus is not in you. It's that simple, friends. I want you to consider that as we move forward. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 20. In what place therefore ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither unto us, our God shall fight for us. You know, I skipped a few verses, but this verse bears mentioning because although they had weapons, they never needed to use it. Do you know that? Yes, they had to try their best. They had to train themselves. They had to be prepared. They had to hold the weapons. But Nehemiah said, what? Did you see what he, he said there? Our God shall fight for us. They had to do their part in preparing, in training. We have to put our, we have to put our best foot forward in doing the very best to, to, to witness and to, to fight God's battles. But He is the one that will give us the victory. He is the one that will fight for us. We got to train, yes. If you, if you, if you got to preach, if you got to share the Bible, you, you got to study, you got to read your Bible. But the conviction and the conversion does not come from you, friends. It comes from the Holy Spirit that's working through you. It's not that you're anything special, except that we're empty vessels, willing and ready to be used by the Lord, right? The Lord's work must move forward. Yes, from strength to strength, and we must put forth earnest efforts to do our part. But the Lord is the one that ultimately gives the victory. We just must have a mind to work. Let's continue. Nehemiah 4, 21 and 23. So we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. Likewise, at the same time I said unto the people, let every one with his servants lodge within Jerusalem, that in the night they may be a guard to us and labor on the day. So neither I, nor my brother, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard which followed me, none of us put off our clothes, saving that everyone put them off for washing. 
You know, everyone knew their roles. Half did the work. The other half held spears from morning till evening. Everyone knew what needed to be done and they were watchful. They even did not put off their clothes except to wash them. Every single person had a mind to work. Look, friends, the issue today is not what country you're living in. The issue is not whether you're in a, in, in a big city or a little city or a countryside church. The issue is not even the, how secular the area is. The issue is not how rich or poor you are or how rich or poor the church is. The question that I really want to ask you is this. Do you really have a mind to work? Do you really have a mind to work for the Lord? Do you go to church expecting to serve? Or do you go to church expecting to be served? You know, the biggest hurdle that we have to cross is our mindset. How you view church. How do you view your life as a Christian? Where are you as a Seventh-day Adventist? The biggest hurdle all of us need to jump over or what really needs to happen is a shift in our thinking and in our mindset. And what do we call this, friends? It's born again. It's conversion. It's what we're told here in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We need a mind that is transformed and created in Christ Jesus. We need to be made into the image of God. We need to have the mind of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 23 and 24 further says this, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Friends, we need a renewed mind. The problem as to why we are not witnessing for Jesus today the reason why our churches are not far in advance of holiness and even outreach and evangelistic activities is because our minds are so focused on the world. We are so focused on non-spiritual things that God, He's not able to work through us because we don't have a mind to work. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 tells us, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Also, 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 1, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, look at this, look at this arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. And 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2 also says, Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, don't be forced, not, not because it's your job, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. You see, friends, over and over again, we see throughout Scripture the biggest challenge and hurdle that we have to overcome is our mind because our minds are so focused on the world and not on eternal things. You know, some of us, we've gone to church for so long, we've forgotten the hope of our calling. 
We've forgotten that this world is not our home and that the focus of our, our building should not be on this earth, but in heaven. Yes, I hear all the things that are thrown at me. Ben, you know, we got to live in this world though. We, we, we need to have clothes on our back and food to eat, right? Oh, of course, yes. We need to get married, sure. And we say all these things, etc., etc. And I hear all of that. And then the, the, the question is asked, Ben, what's the balance then? Are you telling me that I got to be like the rich young ruler and sell everything and go and follow Jesus? What's the balance? How do we balance all of this? Well, friends, that's different for everybody. If I were to give you a suggestion, you probably would never follow it. Why? I'm in full-time ministry. I'm a pastor. I'm fully in this. I'm not expecting you to live like me. The Bible workers, they're fully into this as well. Can't expect you to live like them, right? What's the balance then? Where do you draw the line? You won't know, friends, until you allow God to change your mind. I can throw out any suggestion. And depending on who's listening, you might agree or totally disagree. And it's not because my suggestion was so utterly crazy, but that your mind was not ready to accept it. Do you see that? Let me say that again. You will not know what the balance is between earning a living and living your life and serving God until your mind is transformed. Look, as long as the world is alive in your mind, even just giving the Sabbath to the Lord is too much. And mind you, giving one day to the Lord is not balance. Six days for me, one day for God, how is that balanced? That's not balanced at all, right? But even just giving one day out of six to the Lord is too much for some people. Do you understand that? And even to be honest, when you look at the Sabbath, 24 hours, 24 hours, you are not focused on God. Eight hours at least, you're sleeping. To some, you're sleeping more than that. 10 hours, 11 hours, you think that Sabbath is a time. Ah, yes, I can rest. There's no balance in that. We take it selfishly and sleep longer. And then we eat and we cook and we got to, you know, socialize and, and all those sorts of things. And if we were really to put it all together, it would not even amount to 12 hours that we are giving to God even on the Sabbath. So don't tell me that you keeping the Sabbath is balance. It's not. But even if I were to say that, and I would just say, hey, just go to church on Sabbath, three hours, right? Some of you would rise up in rebellion against that. And the problem is not because of the Word of God or anything that I've said. The problem our minds are not transformed. So what's the balance? To some, Sabbath is too much. To some, midweek prayer meeting for one hour is too much. To others, 10% tithe is too much. What's the balance? Friends, as long as the world is alive in your mind, you will never know. And so, sometimes I throw out some things to challenge you, to make you to think, hmm, and not because Ben is crazy or unreasonable, or doesn't know how to live a Christian life, or forgotten what it means to be a Christian in the world, working in the world, but that I want you to pause and think, maybe God, I have so much of the world in my mind that whatever Ben says is just too outrageous. But friends, what needs to happen? you got to be born again. 
Your mind needs to be renewed. It needs to be transformed. It needs to be created again in Christ Jesus. You have to have a born-again experience of the water and of the Spirit. We all need to go away and pray. We got to learn to walk with Jesus just like Enoch did, just like Moses did, just like Abraham did, just like Paul did, just like John the Baptist did, just like Elijah and just like Daniel. And then we got to learn to surrender our hearts to Jesus. If not, even a little bit of sacrifice will always be too much. What's the balance? The balance is you got to allow Jesus to come into your heart again, friends, and clear away the rubbish that is there in your heart so that you can just, even for a little while, think clearly, that you can be reasonable in the expectations that God sets before you, that you can see Jesus, the man of sorrows who bore everything and gave up everything just for the sake of our salvation. Then you'll look at your life and say, okay, God, let me find the balance. Because even once a week, church is too torturous for so many people. Don't even let me get started of Sunday morning, six o'clock, seven o'clock prayer. The day that Adventists definitely will think it's right for me to sleep in, right? There are so many things that we can do to find the balance. But unless your mind is converted, unless it has been renewed, unless you have been born again, unless you have been like Nehemiah, praying and confessing your sins and asking God to forgive you and cleanse you and give you a new heart and mind, you will never rise up and do the work of God. And if you never do that, friends, you will never be able to see even the kingdom of heaven. And so today, friends, even as we are looking at Nehemiah and his story, as being the wall builder. I'm convinced that many of us who are listening here this morning, you're not living the life that God wants you to live. You're not doing what God wants you to do. And you need to go back to the drawing board. I'm convinced that you need to just go back and get on your knees and ask God to forgive you for all the worldliness, the selfishness, the pride, the, the, the lusts of this world, the, the desire for fortune, and all these things. Ask God to sweep it aside. Ask Him to give you a clean heart, friends. And then you will be able to see very clearly what that balance is. So don't, don't even try to tell anybody. Don't even try to come and challenge me and tell me you disagree with me unless you've first brought it to the Lord. Unless you're walking with the Lord unless you're praying with Him, unless you are having a deep and abiding experience in the Lord, then, and only then, you will be able to see the balance for yourself. It will be impossible to see that balance for other people unless you see it first for yourself. And so friends, it's not even about building the wall. <laughs> we are so far from that.
the work of God here in Malaysia is languishing, even in our church, in Dak and in Sac. Friends, we need to come up higher. We need to recommit our hearts and our lives back to God. We need to ask God to give us a new heart and a new mind this day. Just so that we can begin to have faith. Just so that we can begin to love Him again. Just so that we might find our true calling of what God is calling us today, here in 2021. What He's asking us to do to live for Him. And friends, I believe that if we, if we do that, when we come together as a church, one will put a thousand to flight and two will put 10,000 to flight. The, the unity of the believers will be so strong that there will be exponential growth, not addition, but exponential. And we will see the work of God explode and we will see miracles we will see God work through each and every one of us because we've allowed Him to transform us so that we can begin to live the life that He wants us to live. So friends, we need to have a mind to work today. And in order to do that, our mind must be transformed. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we've tried to serve you with a carnal mind, a worldly mind, a mind that is full of everything except you. Lord, we've come to you with self, asking you to bless us. Please, Lord, forgive me. So often I've brought, I've brought my own thoughts and desires into even the preaching Lord, forgive me. Forgive us. And I pray, Father, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would transform us with your Spirit, that you would refresh and renew us. Take away the stony heart out of our flesh and give us a heart of flesh, O Lord. Give us your heart to be able to discern spiritual things, to be able to hear your voice to give us a love for you and for your work and a burden for souls. Lord, please shake us awake this morning and help us to realize that we are so far from you that we need to surrender again. So Lord, please help us, change us, and mold us and shape us into your image so that we can finish the work here on this earth that finally we can go to heaven where there'll be no more death, pain, sickness, or crying. But Lord, today, please work upon each of our hearts and minds, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.